Welcome to the Board Out of My Mind podcast, a casual player's journey into tabletop game design. We're on a mission to find out how to get that game idea out of your head and onto the table. Here are your hosts, Kim Breeze and Parker Simpson. Howdy there, everyone, and welcome back to Board Out of My Mind, that casual player's glimpse into board game design. How's everybody doing? We are gearing up for Origins. And so, Mr. Parker Simpson, are you ready to talk about your upcoming first experience demoing your game? I am not. <laughs> so we should I should just end the podcast here? Yes. Uh, okay. let's right, Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye. No, yeah, I'm excited. Origins is oh, right around the corner and has been so much prep work, uh, getting everything for, for Trash Dash ready for, for testing. So. I feel like it snuck up. Like, I feel oh. like I felt like I had so much more time. And then suddenly. Right. Yeah. No, I was not ready <laughs> so, for June yeah. to be here so quickly. Oh, man. This June has flown by. So I'm excited because this is your this is your very first. So Origins is my like home field kind of convention because we live fairly close to the area. So we've been going for many, many years. And I'm I'm actually just really excited that you're going to get to come experience my backyard convention. Yes, I'm very excited to have a personal tour guide. <laughs> <laughs> we promised Parker the guided tour. So those of you who have been to Origins before, yes, we will be taking him to the North Market. Yes, he will be trying Jenny's ice cream. Um, yes, we're probably going to get some Mikey's late night slice. Um, yeah, so we've got a we've got quite the tour planned for him. And I have no idea what any of that means, but I'm excited. (laughs) But you will. So, yes. And then we will, of course, uh, wrap up. We'll have a wrap up after Origins. So we'll, you know, you can listen. All right. So let's talk about the game that you're bringing to Origins. Because we really haven't given everybody much of an update on this lately. We've been been bringing a lot of folks on to kind of give some guidance as as you're prepping for Origins. But let's talk about what we what is now called Trash Dash. Yes. So there have been quite a few name changes. It went from Rubbish to Rubbish Racers and now to Trash Dash. Um, so after some polling and uh, market research, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> we, we've landed on Trash Dash. So, yeah. So, I've, I mean, I've been kind of mulling over all of the different advice we've gotten over the last couple of interviews. It's definitely shaped how I've been approaching the design process yeah excited to talk about it and um let's hop in so i believe we touched on the subject of this game and we we at least gave a backstory when we did our minimum viable product episode right we did yeah so we were paring down my initial huge game idea called pterosaur where it's the pterodactyl riders and all of this stuff. So we're paired, we paired it down to something that's a little bit more achievable. Um, since this is my first design, I wanted to make sure that I could kind of get my feet wet with it and not go after my quote unquote dream design. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so trash dash uh, became a, a pretty small uh, little like 20 to 30 minute card game uh, where you're racing your little trash critters around uh, and kind of messing with each other. So uh, the game is, I think it's fun and interactive, Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh, yeah, I've, I've taken a good bit of advice from, from the folks that we've had on the show 
Um, I think the discussion with Gabe Barrett was probably the most illuminating. That was back when we were, when I was still focusing specifically on the previous design. My biggest takeaway from the conversation with him uh, was focusing on testing vanilla characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like mm-hmm. your basic, no nonsense, like no special effects, like all of that stuff. Because I was getting really caught up with just silly little things that I thought would make the game fun. They were things that I needed to put on hold so that I can make sure, sure. that the actual yeah. basics of the game was fun right. without those things. Yeah, that was a good conversation that I remember that it was sort of like, you got to have Mario versus Mario before you can have Mario versus all the other. Yes. Yeah. But it was that, yeah, that was good advice from Gabe. Yeah. Gabe is, is a wealth of knowledge and the, the, just the, the simple advice like that, it, struck pretty hard <laughs> against the design that I was making. And it, it definitely helped me catch myself before I got too far with the design. Yeah. Um, so stepping back and kind of focusing on this smaller project, I think will lead to better long-term success mm-hmm. um, instead of banging my head against the wall, trying to design something that I'm not ready oh, for. for. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this, this upcoming opportunity too, of being able to, now you have this and you can take it out, get feedback from other folks, other industry people, people who just like games, like a whole different realm of people to, to kind of test it out. Plus you're going to get to see a whole bunch of other games and mechanics Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I think that'll be in the long run better for a pterosaur the more you get exposure to other things and want, like you said, kind of get this, this product done and built and successful and and then you go hey i've got one under my belt here's all the things that i've learned and now i can apply all that mm-hmm. to my, my bigger my dream design for sure and i'm i'm nowhere near some of the the guests that we've had on have talked about how many different projects they're working on at once <laughs> isn't that crazy uh, oh my gosh play. like their nathan, brains nathan, amazing nathan wall said he had like seven or eight i don't remember how many oh, yeah. said that yeah. he's got going. all of them said multiples all of yeah. them said like and not just like two like multiple multiples that they are actively working on i guess that's good though i mean i i bet a lot of us do that and not even realize about other parts of our hobby that you like you switch gears on it like oh i'm working on this for a little bit now i switch over here i give that a breast in my head because i'm kind of sleeping on it or mulling it over or waiting on the next big aha moment. But that that really, that was one of the most interesting things from the guests we've had so far is mm-hmm. the consistency with, oh, I'm always got two or three ideas around in my head. Right. That was really cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so with putting Pterosaur on hold, um, I have picked up on other things that I've been like, oh, that would really make sense to kind of structure the game in, in like a different sort of way. And so I feel like I'm, I'm, picking up things along the way while I'm working on trash dash Mm -hmm. um, that could be utilized to help it become the best version that it could be. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm really excited about that. It's not that I've stopped working on Pterosaur. It's that I've just put it on hold. You're doing research. You're doing market research uh, on games in general. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what else has evolved on trash dash? Uh, so our discussion with Kathleen Mercury about like building a, a good, solid rule book, the conversation really helped me focus on clarity. There was a lot of stuff that I was putting together in the rule book that just, it made it muddled to understand okay. how to actually do the gameplay. Her points about rules exceptions 
uh, was especially mm. helpful because I had a lot of things that I was like, oh, I'll just put that in the, the rules reference or whatever. So cutting out as many things that are game breaking or unintuitive mm-hmm. about the rules, cutting that out at this point, I feel like will be a lot more helpful in the long run for the game. And again, like with what we were just talking about earlier today, you have your folks who really like to read a rule book to understand a game. And then there are people like me and kind of like how Kathleen explained it, where they're more vis- visual. So they're watching you pick up the piece and move it on the board when you're talking mm-hmm. about it. But in your play testing, both of those kinds of players are going to be really, really helpful in helping you determine any changes or structure to the rule book and the rules that you're going to need in the future. Because they're going to call out things that you hadn't thought of could be confusing or that need to be explained. Or the way that you may have it worded for the people who like to read the rule book, they may be able to find, oh, here's the loophole or here's here's the gap in how you explain that. Mm-hmm. And that's stuff you just can't see yourself because you only learn and speak one way. Sometimes you can kind of look for gaps and look for, for stuff, but you need somebody who thinks differently than you to then look at the same thing and and point out anything that they're going to question or that somebody else could question while they're playing it. So that's, I think that'll be another cool thing that you get a lot of good feedback on when you're doing your play testing in the unpub. For sure. Cause like when I'm doing either my solo play tests or play tests here with local folks who have played it more than once and kind of have an idea of what the rules are. Uh, it's, it's difficult to understand what, isn't going to make sense to people who don't have that, that knowledge and that for forethought. So I, I, I'm especially excited about getting it in front of so many different people from so many backgrounds and so many perspectives at origins. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be really helpful to uh, like, like you said, uh, sort out some of the discrepancies. Another interview that stood out for me was, uh, was our talk with Mondo Davis. Uh, he talked a lot about how, he let his personal experiences and preferences inform some of the thematic choices that he made. And he, he kind of emphasized the importance of enjoying the theme and being interested in actually working on it long term, which has proven to be <laughs> very, uh, very true in the last couple months as I've been working on Trash Dash and thinking about the gameplay and thinking about the theme and thinking about the artwork. Oh, uh, yeah. I am very glad that I like trash animals. If I didn't like raccoons and (laughs) possums and pigeons, this would not be a fun project for me. (laughs) Well, I feel like if you didn't, you probably would have found a different, a different Avenue of something that was more interesting. But I agree with you though, that that helps because that helps make it exciting and it helps make it fun. Whenever you're drawing these characters, I can tell in the art that you've done that you're having fun while you're doing it. Hmm. Like I feel like the personas and and like just the look of the art looks like you've had fun while you were doing it. I'm glad that comes across logically. Yes. It it does make sense that if you like a theme, that's what you're going to want to work on. I love a good theme and I love um, art that pulls me into that theme. And I think you've done a really, really good job with that. So speaking about art, one of the biggest hurdles has been actually developing all of the visuals for the game uh, mm-hmm. because yes, there's, there's the artwork for the characters and that sort of stuff. Um, but the, the amount of graphic design and like just fiddly things that you don't really think about, it definitely oh, adds sure. up. 
one of the things I've been repeating to myself constantly while working on this prototype is that done is better than perfect. As an artist, I want to make sure that everything looks exactly how I want it to. And it lives up to the standard in my head. Sure. Um, yeah. Cause that's your brand. That's your, like you just said, right. your standard. So that's right. hard. Like it's hard to separate those two things because mm-hmm. this is still a prototype. So things could change. Exactly. But as an yeah. artist, like you wouldn't necessarily have a half drawn sketch just floating around out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally, I mean, different people's prototypes I've seen are on all different levels. Even as a content creator, stuff that we've received um we've received all different levels of prototypes that we've looked at and reviewed as a game some like i see very little difference between what i got as a prototype versus what's in the final box Mm. and i have some that have just placeholders for art like little symbols that kind of stuff so you gotta kind of use your imagination a little Mm -hmm. bit so i can get from your perspective like for the people who aren't artists those symbols and those marks on the cards are enough to get the point across whenever they're building out their game and their prototype I do think it's going to help in playtesting for some folks because they don't, you've, you've helped them with, imagine if this looks like an alleyway and imagine that you were doing this, like you've taken, they don't have to do that with your prototype. It's already there. Right. But the game visually looks a lot better than the gameplay is currently. Like the artwork <laughs> is at a, a much further Artist point Parker's along. had more time to practice. Yes. Artist Parker has decades under his belt. Game designer Parker has six months under his belt. Right. <laughs> um, so you, the, like, I hope you can remember that, though. Like, give yourself mm-hmm. some grace. Like, give designer Parker some grace that he's he's only got six months in, in on this. And he's still doing, right. like, I mean, you still put together a prototype of a game that now people yeah. get to try. I, I have a small concern that people are going to see the artwork and think that it's that the testing is a lot further along. Uh, but the things that I chose to spend time on are the things that probably aren't changing. So I did the yeah, artwork for the characters uh, because the characters are going to be raccoon, possum, pigeon. Uh, they all have names. Uh, <laughs> <for sake of laughs> uh, it's, it's going to be these specific animals. So the artwork for those animals felt like it was a good investment of my time. The, Graphic design on the cards is okay, but I didn't feel like it was necessary to go so far above and beyond to make it look like a final product uh, because so much is going to change through iteration during and after the playtesting. So I, I, I guess my, my main concern would be that people would see the artwork and think that the gameplay is going to be just as polished when it, in fact, is not. <laughs> well but that's what this is a good opportunity i think you play to your strengths on this one so you're really good Mm -hmm. at character creation and like i said you very much brought them to life you can tell that you've had fun with it the drawings and the art they have little personalities and so that's a good way to get people emotionally connected to your game so now they're already interested because these characters are pretty rad and they're pretty cute and so then you can use their their feedback to brush up and improve you know you're going to be filled filled with a room of other people who have had more than six months under their belt of designing games as well as people that have come through that have had probably more than six months playing games Mm -hmm. so you're just using your strengths and getting and getting the help from other people who are experienced in it yeah 
And Nathan's comment on our last episode, it was encouraging. He had said about my hook for the game comes more from the artwork. Like Mm -hmm. that's what's going to get people's attention. So knowing that that is an okay thing to do was encouraging. I am really looking forward to seeing people's response to, to the characters, to the artwork and, and see how the gameplay actually matches up with the visuals. It's a lightweight game uh, and it's pretty interactive. There's a little bit of take that, but I feel like it's balanced out enough that there's not a whole lot of animosity between players, but I want the artwork and the visuals to also reflect that. Lean on your strengths and definitely let the cute and the awesome artwork pull people in Mm -hmm. and then have them help you bring the rest of the game mechanics up to the same standard and give, give designer Parker a little more time to get some practice under his belt. That's fair. It's really just the trade-off of people doing what they do best. Some people design really well. Some people draw really well. Some people give feedback really well. And that's the beauty of an umpub and a convention because all of those things come together in one location. Clearly we've, we've told everybody we're going to be at origins, but uh, hopefully a lot of our listeners are going to be there too, because this will be a really cool opportunity for you to come offer some feedback to Parker and hopefully um, chat with us for a little bit. So Parker, let's talk about where they can find us and you, you more specifically, you're the cool, like you've got the cool stuff <laughs> as far as, as our origins presence will go. Um, and kind of what's, what's the plan for um, what you're doing with the prototype while you're at origins. Yeah, so I'm going to be in the Unpub room Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And as we mentioned in our interview with Nathan, that is totally free for an attendee to come check out. So by all means, stop in, look at other games, give them a try, pop by, say howdy to Parker. But I'm also pretty sure a little birdie told me that there might be something special that they get if they come see you. Yes. So anyone who helps me play test uh, can actually take home the character card that they play as. Um, cool. Just so they have this little memento of getting to see Trash Dash before it became a thing. Uh, it's got all of the cutesy little animals. Uh, so you can kind of pick which character you want to be. Awesome. Take, yeah, definitely uh, worth stopping by home. for. Yeah, just my little thank you to, to anybody who's helping me out. Because I know that, especially at a convention, time is very precious. So... Yeah, anybody who takes time to help me out, like you'll get a free card. And for anybody who's not able to make it, either they've got events or um, something else scheduled during that time, if you want to to try meeting outside of those times, just shoot us a message on Facebook. Uh, we'll yep. see if we can make it happen. I'm going to be kind of hanging out, mingling and networking and playing other people's games. So. I guess we're to the point. Let's do something different this time, Parker. Let's you and I box up this episode. What? I think we should give it a try. Now to, to put an asterisk next, next to this, we already all know that Parker and I are not going to be fast at answering these questions. However, <laughs> we also are not eligible to be on the timed list of responses, nor could we earn said uh fastest response trophy i can't remember what we're calling it the boxing up champion sure 
Yeah, I don't really know if we have to state that because I'm pretty sure our boxing up is going to be the same length as the rest of the discussion. (laughs) I don't know. Let's see. All right. Okay. I didn't change the questions. And funny enough, you would think that I would know these questions by now because we ask them (laughs) every episode. But uh, yeah, I've got, I feel like I'm going to cheat and not have exactly one answer for everything that we ask. That's probably fair. Me too. All right. Okay. So here we go, Parker. What's your favorite board game mechanic? For me, I really like set collecting. Set collecting. Yeah. Something about fun. Something about gathering different things. And I don't know. Having like the point salad type. Yeah. um, Boring feels really good. Those are pretty fun. I do like we have some good set collection games. Point salad is probably the one that gets the most play. And I don't even own that. Uh, cause we played on sovereignty a lot. Mm-hmm. Let's my favorite board game mechanic is probably tile placement. Ooh. I have a lot of tile placement games. I'm always justifying, uh, Oh, we should get this one because it's not quite like the other ones that we have, but things like Baron park castles mm-hmm. of Burgundy, um, mm-hmm. patchwork, things like that. Like I love Tetris on a board. Welcome. Which game do you think should have been more popular? Okay. It's a game. First, uh, it's a game called Founding Fathers. Uh, It's from Ultra Pro. This is where Super Nerd Kim comes out. Um, It's actually (laughs) a game about the Continental Congress. And you're actually voting on articles of the Constitution. And I don't know why it's so much fun, but I actually really, really like it. Now, I also, I know, I know. I also am very much a big history, like I'm an American history buff, kind of. Well, just history in general. I think that's a good way to introduce games to the classroom, though. Like, if, if my history teacher would have brought Founding Fathers in and we got to go through some of that, I feel like I would have, like, more people would have enjoyed government class or history class. That's fair. Also, my second thing is I think almost anything but from Fight in a Box should always be more popular because those games are smarter than they should be. That is fair. Um, so I think mine, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really plugged into... Like what the kids are playing nowadays. <laughs> what the kids are playing. <laughs> so these it might days. be more popular than I than I realize. I think you can buy it at Target. But I really <laughs> like cover your assets. Something about it, just the You are brutal in that game. Oh, I love it. It lets it's you be so mean. <laughs> it lets you be so mean and I love it. Uh, and you're so not that person in real life, but I have learned <laughs> in game night with you on sovereignty that board game Parker is a different Parker. Like he's way more cutthroat. (laughs) I blame Jason for bringing it out of me (laughs) on sovereignty. I don't disagree with that. Um, Danny's super sweet, but Danny will also get you when you're not looking. Yeah. You don't expect it from her. All right, Parker, who's your favorite game designer? Yeah. So I'm going to have to give a corny answer here and i apologize in advance if this makes any of our listeners puke um my favorite game designer are the game designers that have created are creating and those who are yet to create board games oh that's a cop-out answer i know but no yeah as a as a first-time designer uh and seeing all of the time and effort and work that goes into making a game the fact that there are people who are choosing to spend their time creating games uh, so that other people can have 
like joyful experiences and gather around Aww. a table with their loved ones. Like that's so heartfelt and genuine, Parker. And I know that you're being heartfelt and genuine. <laughs> I stick by my corny answer. Ah, all right. No, that was very <laughs> sweet and genuine. Um, okay. My favorite designer is John D. Clare because he designed Space Base and Ooh. many other games, but Space Base has rapidly become my number two game. Wow. Okay. It could edge out Castles Burgundy, but oh. I don't think we're there yet. But he's made a lot of great things. I'm also a big Stefan Feld fan. Mm. And, but I do say that, like, that does change. Like, you find yourself kind of getting. I was really into Stefan Feld games for a really long time mm-hmm. and uh, Rosenberg games for a really long time. And then eventually, like, you do those for a while and then your tastes kind of change. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah diff- different so seasons I, I, call for different games. Exactly. Game yeah, so I could say. It's John Declare for now. Could change again later. Good old Johnny. <laughs> so Kim, what game started your board game journey? It was actually Carcassonne. So, and there's a story behind that that I'm going to tell you and our listeners. So, um, our, time, good friends, <laughs> our good friends, our good friends, Katie and Jason of the board ma- board game mechanics. They used to have a board game like White Elephant Exchange thing at, at the holidays. And they actually still do that. COVID kind of hurt a little bit. Anyway, that's not part of the story. They often host a board game white elephant exchange. So I'm thinking close to 15 years ago, give or take a little. uh, We went to one of their board game exchanges. We'd never really played anything. We've we'd seen the general run of the mill stuff in the in, you know, ticket to ride, basic stuff like that, card games. And you were supposed to bring a game. So uh, my husband picked up Carcassonne. We played it there. And we definitely like that was the thing that got us hooked. Mm. I still have. I think I have that copy of Carcassonne. If not, it was one that we bought shortly after. Um, So I have two answers, if that's okay. I've had, (laughs) I I broke the rules. We made this game. We can break the rules. That's fine. I can't remember which one chronologically came first, Um, (laughs) but my two are Star Wars Epic Duels. Oh, Yes. So good. And like playing, I think Restoration did the Unmatched series. Mm-hmm. And that's loosely based off of that yeah. game. It's fantastic. So good. And I'm a sucker for anything Star Wars. So that hit the oh, table sure. when I was a kid a lot. Yeah. And the, the second game was uh, Heroescape, which mm. is. They're trying to remake that. Yeah. I saw that. I'm actually really excited. But that was one of the games that started getting me thinking about like game design because it has all these Mm -hmm. little asymmetric characters and like you can build your teams or whatever. Um, So I can remember playing that as a kid with my brother and we'd make up all of these like totally broken characters who were like (laughs) so strong beyond belief. That's cool. Uh, But that that kind of, that's been something I'd kind of reflected on when I started getting into like the design space. Yeah. So, so hero escape and star Wars epic duels. Those are good answers. Like those are two very, very good games to have to launch yourself into this crazy, crazy hobby. Mm -hmm. All right. Last question, Parker, which game do you wish you had designed? Mm. Um, So I also had two answers for this because I saw (laughs) and can't make up my mind. I really like the design of Onitama. It's just, do you really? I'm so bad at that game. I'm bad at it too. But oh, I think I'm it's terrible awesome. at it. So, like, 
for folks who don't know, it's kind of like a chess-like system where you've got these mm-hmm. pawns out on a board, uh, but you're playing cards to do specific movements. Like the pawns don't have like set movements, but as you're playing the cards, you rotate them and you give them to your opponent. So as you're making your moves, you have to be thinking about if I give them this card, they can move here, here and here. And so it's, it's just, it's such a complex game, but it feels like very streamlined. Yeah, I would agree with that. It feels so simple yet. It is not easy to master at all right it makes me feel really dumb when i play i feel it. real dumb <laughs> when i play it yeah i agree um, but like i i can't help but be reverent to like how mm-hmm. smooth no that's a good answer i like that that's a good answer and my second answer is one that i started playing within the last couple of months um called regicide and yeah. it is so cool it's literally just a solitaire game that you can play with a deck of cards uh, oh. But you're essentially going through and fighting uh, the face cards and each suit has different powers. So when you play a card from your hand to attack uh, the face card, uh, all of the different suits let you do different things. Like the diamonds let you draw cards, the hearts let you heal clubs are like your berserkers and they can hit for double damage. It's a really oh, cool, cool. Yeah. It's a really yeah, cool, cool like modern take on like a just a regular playing card deck. No, that's uh, cool. But it's just after playing it several times, it's just I don't know, it just feels so smooth and I feel like they yeah. thought about like all of the different ways that the game <laughs> could go. Uh and, and even like the aces, like you can play those alongside other cards and they're supposed to be your animal companions. It's like a it's like a fantasy themed. Yeah. Okay. You know, like your knights yeah. and barbarians and whatever, but like you get a little animal companion that lets you do a, a second effect based on its suit versus the card that you played. And it's just, I don't know. It's brilliant. I really like it. That is cool. I like that. Um, okay. You're so one is a facetious answer <laughs> because we were talking about this earlier this evening. Uh, if I, what game do I wish that I had designed? I wish that I had designed Star Wars Destiny because then I would have <laughs> not sold it to a particular publisher that had it oh. and we'd also be playing Star Wars Destiny. Is that my that's my facetious answer. Other than that, I'm not really sure. I don't know which you other because I'm not sad, I'm not design so. based in my head. Maybe Flamecraft because it's adorable. Flamecraft it is adorable. Or perhaps Castles of Burgundy, and then I just would have made it prettier. <laughs> I don't have real good design answers as to why. I just have facetious answers as to what what game I would decide. That's fair. All right. So we did it. We clocked in at 26 minutes and 32 seconds. Good job, Kim. (laughs) That sounds about right for us. Boxing up champions. But we had great answers, if nonetheless. And now you all know a little bit more about us. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess it's time for us to go get ready to go to Origins. So we hope to see you all there. Let's get packing. I know. I got a pack. Uh, if you uh, come find us, we may have a button for you. Just spoiler alert. So many buttons. <laughs> so until we see you all at Origins or we chat again in podcast time, uh, you can follow along with me at Tabletop Rebellion on all the socials. Or come over and hang out in Tabletop Rebels and talk about what games you're playing. We'll talk about what games we're playing. And just get to hang out and chat some. 
Yep, and I am still Parker Simpson Artwork. And if you want updates on Trash Dash, you can follow uh, Trash Dash on Facebook.com just to keep up with all the updates there. Oh, and you can follow us at Bored Out of oh, My yeah. Mind Podcast on Facebook, too, where we yes, drop our new episodes. Parker shares some cool board game design things he finds from time to time. So join us over there, too. Otherwise, we'll see everybody next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Board Out of My Mind Podcast. Find us on social media as Board Out of My Mind Podcast and tell us about your own game design journey or drop us a line via email to Board Out of My Mind Podcast at gmail.com. The Board Out of My Mind Podcast is a production of Boom Productions. Until next time.